so I just found out I was muted. So um, anyway, so I'm just going to get started doing my um, presentation, what an end of life doula is. And um, hopefully um, uh, you would get a gist of what it's about. I'd be happy to answer any questions you have about um, what the end of life doula role is at, at the end of life. And uh, yeah, if you have any questions, just um, reach out to me. Um, I was just saying earlier that um, an end of life doula is something that calls you to come and do it, uh, whether it's on a volunteer basis or you decided to do it as a business. For me, I've decided to do it as a business. And um, I had all last year to practice a lot of things that they teach. But then again, um, in the training I got to get my certification is I learned so much more. So let me get started. So um, so let's kind of keep going. So doulamini is means a Greek word that means non-medical person. So in other words, we don't give medicines or me anything. We just provide emotional, spiritual support to somebody else with the family or a group of people or in a hospital or whatever it is that you end up working at. Um, we're not there. To, I mean, some uh, people for end of life doulas have chosen to be more of a caretaker role. Um, and uh, that all depends, you know, who the patient is and what they decide to do and what the family wants. So, but basically we just provide physical, emotional and spiritual support to somebody else. So, uh, like I said, it's holistic support for the people that are dying, um, for their loved ones during and before death and after death. Um, we're all trained in various stages of, of change at the end of life, um, assisting the family with the understanding about what comfort is and what the patient wants as far as comfort, because it's really depending on the patient, the person that's um, making their transition. It's really up to them what would make them comfortable. We've got to really consider what they want. I know like um, in situations like this, you get a lot of family situations. So oh, mom would like this, dad would like that, you know, and, but we really have to ask the person because it's their journey. And um, we really need to consider what, what they want. Um, the other rule, I guess, the other thing that as death of midwife or, end of life guide, some people call themselves. I really had a hard time saying a death doula, but really that's, you know, because I don't think of death as an ending. I think of it as a journey and it's onto the next uh, role or a journey in your life, you know, I guess, cause I believe in reincarnation and maybe that's just that, but, but some people do and some people don't. And I have to honor where they are and what they, want uh, for themselves. <clears throat> so just recognizing that there are last phases of life limiting illness. Every illness has their different way of how it shows up and how it moves on. Um, recognizing that dying is a normal part of process of living. Um, I did a kind of a bit of a survey to find out if people would rather die at home or in the hospital. And 
I would say 20% of the people that responded said, well, I'm not dying. This is, well, I'm sorry, but you know, we all go one, one way or another, but um, it's always better to know what's available to you and help you um, plan it out. So uh, as an end-of-life doula, we also focus on helping the individual or the patients um, have a better comfort care um, and for the, in, their family members or their friends. So, so why do we need end-of-life doulas if we have hospice? Um, okay, so let me just tell you my uh, opinion about this. Um, End-of-life doula is, I look at it as we're the bridge of communication between the patient and hospice. So we fulfill a role that hospice really at this point in time, does, they don't have the time. Um, it's not that they don't care or they don't want to, but most hospice professionals I've spoken to say that they carry a load of you know, between 20 and 30 patients. Well, trying to visit every um, patient and spend, you know, two to four hours with each person every day, that's impossible. And um, some families would want you, us to be there more, some may not so much. But so, the like I said, the hospice provides a wonderful service. Um, but they're more on the medical side and the doulas are not non-medical. So the hospice trains the family members uh, how to give the medicine, um, how to watch for things. And the end-of-life doulas actually will built to notice more changes with the patients and can inform the hospice so that they are aware and they can maybe change their medication or maybe um, change the situation or make different recommendations. Um, so that's, um, that's my opinion. <laughs> so, but um, hospice uh, <clears throat> is um, medical and because they are medical, they are paid by Medicare, Medi-Cal, other health uh, companies um, <clears throat> due to, um, and like I said, they also have a very limited amount of time. They are actually to be with a patient and the family and just the way it works and how the payment works as well. Um, the end of life is a 24 seven process. Um, it doesn't say ends, you know, when a person passes, of course, there's the grieving and all the other things, but along the journey of towards that end result or the end passing, the hospice team manages the care for the terminal patient. Um, and the nurse is to teach the ones how to do the care. But quite often when somebody is passing or the patient is, you know, in that space, it's, it's very emotional. And the doulas can actually come in and calm the process and make everybody feel comfortable and give care, respirate for, or time away from, if there's a caregiver that's there for that person 24 seven, a doula can come in and give a break for the caregiver or the family members. And so that was also um, a great benefit as a end of life doula and for the family and the people that care for this the patient or their friend or their family member. So um, those are the two factors, main breakdown in the hospice model.
So, um, so how do we um, how do we fit in? And I think I already mentioned a couple of things the way I see it, um, but you know we also attend to like I said the emotional, the psychosocial and spiritual aspects of dying and caregiving. We we are there to advocate for the patient and their family, and what they desire, what their wishes are. We also provide additional um, support uh, to patients and their families. We may be able to find other support and resources for the family going through this process. And what we also do is provide time, extra time for the patients and their family and serving as the eyes and ears of the hospice program um, is we're there to support hospice. We're also there to support the patient and their family and their friends. So why does this become so important now? Um, because the baby boomer are really um, pushing this agenda because uh, of all the people I surveyed, I would say 90% of the people um, do not want to die in the hospital. They want to die at home. So in this survey, it's like 78 million people over the age of 65 are, you know, are transitioning or retiring out. And so they have decided that they want to be cared at home and not in a hospital not certainly during the COVID pandemic, because you know if you died in the hospital with COVID, you were only allowed one or two people to be with you, and sometimes none. So uh, it also depends on you know what's going on, and of course there are less nurses and less doctors around. So where can you get the best care for you? Is likely going to be at home, uh, and death is a second leading fear in the U.S. Well, that's very apparent because, you know, when you mention um, doing an educational thing about death, about planning for your death, creating your legacy, writing things down, or helping people in their transition, they all think, well, I, if I don't do it, it won't happen to me. Well, it'd be so much more comfortable if you did. <laughs> and 20% of the 78 million elders do not have any children. So who else are they going to call upon to help them in their hour of need? And so the end-of-life doulas are now filling the gap for the end-of-life care team. They are a person on the care team. It is a human experience to die. It's not a medical experience. Um, so some of the benefits to the terminal patient is um, providing companionship. Um, as you know, because we are there, we can see and sense what's going on with the families and with the patients. So we become the ears and the eyes of hospice, like we were saying, the bridge of communication to the hospice. Um, there's an increased um, amount of autonomy between everybody because we realize we're all part of the care team. And um, when you have a third person like a doula in on the care team, we can make fa help families make peace. We can also help calm everybody. The energy in the room can calm, come down. It reminds me of when <clears throat> I was 
in the bedside vigil with uh, Marshall, I mean, I had never done this work before <clears throat> and hospice didn't really give any instructions, but um, anyway, I said I'd be okay with doing it. So it was funny because so um, one of the gals, the guys that um, knew him well said, Marianne, have you thought about calling the minister in? And I'm like, I have no idea who I'm supposed to call. I don't know who his minister is. I know nothing. So, um, so he's, well, let me call my minister over. And so she did come over and we sang some songs, did some prayers. And you could just feel the energy in the room just come down, like calm the whole situation. And it just felt more peaceful. And because there is a lot of high anxiety with somebody's making their transition. And when they're making their transition, they're sort of like half in and half out. So, but they still understand what you're saying. They still understand what's going on. And it, I think it really helped Marshall just kind of just, okay, you don't have to breathe so heavy, just calm down. And, and um, <clears throat> so I think that as a doula now that I'm more aware what needs to take place, what needs to happen, then I am able to now to say, okay, you know, make sure um, it's like the develop the care plan with a patient before, you know, we are in this vigil. Like we want to make sure that uh, people have a care plan. What's next? Do they know what the family has all agreed about? What, what's going to take place? And the care plan when I asked somebody uh, one time what the care plan is, they said, oh, they have medical insurance. That is not a care plan. <laughs> that's just a, that's just insurance, <laughs> healthcare, but that is not a care plan. So um, anyway, so that's just another one of the things of the benefit um, as a doula I bring to the table. So um, also uh, I can stay longer or more frequent visits um, if they're needed that's available. And we can also help with making memories, um, funeral arrangements, obituaries, memorials. Um, all those things need to be done, but it's all so much better if you do it before um, you're into that transition stage. Um, holding space, helping family members cope, because even though, um, say you have a friend that you already know they have cancer and they're dying and they've been dying for a long time and and if they go, you still are in shock or you still feel some sort of grief or anger about it. So as a doula, we can help everyone cope with what's going on, help them grieve before and after, and also help perform a life review So with the patient. So they they are in control. They can share their purpose and what they want to happen. And so setting that shared um, sacred space, um, you know, so you want to make the space calming. Um, so some benefits to the family, of course, are uh, providing more time for the family. Um, to be able to provide resources and help with the process to guide them on the journey, what to expect, um, allowing um, people to have more rest and care, um, 
you know, reviewing hospice care instructions with a family just to help them remember. Because, you know, when you're in this space, like I said, your emotions are pretty high or they can be pretty raw. And, you know, sometimes having um, our family meeting with review of what the hospice, what the nurses have told them. And just be a compassionate presence um, throughout the whole dying process. Um, so there's several things, but it really depends um, what the family wants or what the patient wants. So the benefits to a hospice uh, organization or um, elder care uh, services, um, they may not be hospice, but they provide some sort of services to the seniors or um, hospice. So, um, you know, the challenge is that most people don't get to hospice early enough. They kind of wait. But um, I, I was thinking about that this morning. And I think the reason why people don't get into hospice earlier is because they re, uh, relate hospice to death. And even though that is one of their roles, but there are many other situations that if you went to hospice, you could get some care so you get well and be and then you can get out of hospice and come back in later there are many patients that have had that experience when they go to hospice and then um, they get the care or the necessary um, services that they need at the time for themselves and then they just get well and then they're out of hospice so uh, we have to not think of hospice as just death we have to think of hospice as a medical team that assists you in your journey of the life of your health helping. So um, I think that some of the things is um, as a doula, we are able to help the hospice, like I said, bridge in the communication. Earlier you get on hospice, the better, because um, usually that's when the, the us as end of life doulas will come on board. But sometimes we might come on board before the hospice and recommend the hospice to the families. Um, so, and then, um, so the other thing is, of course, uh, increased length of stay. Um, the more the community knows about doulas and the end of life patients, um, the earlier mission, um, obviously the length of stay could be longer, it could be shorter. And of course, there's always revenue for the hospice agency, of course, but you know, you have to think about the patient first. And then there's the satisfaction of um, increased satisfaction of the patients, meaning the patient is happier, the families are happy, happier. Um, there's more increased referrals for the uh, hospice. Um, one thing I will notice, I did I put my name as a volunteer for a hospice situation to, to get, you know, more experience and volunteer time with somebody that, you know, might be going through their transition and maybe I can help to get more credits before my certification. And um, hospice, some hospices like this particular one that I signed up with, they use the volunteers as the doulas. Um, but then again, they only allow you to have two hours um, time with people and you're mostly just keeping them company. You're not really doing the whole um, 
gamut of services you could be offering. So they do do volunteers for um, hospice and they're more of a keeping somebody company or giving the caregiver, the family a break. Um, and then um, the end of life doula, of course, um, can help uh, the hospice um, reduce the stigma about death. And it also increases employee morale. Like this is one of the things that um, as an end of life doula, I'd like to be talking to more people, employees and companies, because the idea is if you know what resources are out there, you're going to be less in panic mode. You're going to be more, um, you know, some doctors will say, okay, it's time to call the hospice in. But if you don't know about that, you could probably pre-plan that a little bit. Um, so as an end of life doula, I also offer pre pre care planning or pre um, helping employees make sure they have their will done, make sure that they if they need a trust to get that done to help them write everything down. Um, and I will be giving away my book. Um, it's called the Legacy Planner. So if you want a copy, let me know and I'll. I am going to in the process of getting it printed. So, um, but if you'd like a ebook um, process, um, I'd be happy to give you one of those as well. It's because it's really important that you write it down and you can give the book to your family members and say, this is what I've written down, this is what I want. And then the doula can help them and guide them through that process. So that will actually increase the employee morale as well, because they know what's going to happen to their parents or siblings or brothers. And, you know, like I said, in this survey is so that I did personally, just to kind of find out where people are at. It's just sort of like, well, you know, we'll, we'll just, I'll just deal with it when it comes, but wouldn't it be so much better to be prepared and know what the next step is rather than just say, it's here <laughs> or you lose something somebody suddenly and i also work with people about um knowing what to do with their paperwork in their if they have their, their own business they need to have that also in written down and executed in some way and so that the people know that that's you know they've agreed upon you we're quitting with you or taking over your business or guiding along with you as well so kind of went a little off track that's okay <laughs> what is the difference between a hospice nurse and a doula uh, giver at the end of life doula, doula giver um basically our time and roles hospice is the medical manager of a patient that is dying and they have very limited time at the bedside the doula giver is the non-medical professional that is the eyes and ears of the case with no time limitations. Like it's because we get paid by the family. Um, we're not paid by the medical profession. It's not under their scope of services or billing. Um, we are able to alert the hospice team to any changes in the patient's presentations so that the hospice nurses, as mentioned before, kind of assess and update the care plan uh, for, or the comfort for the patient. And that's the goal of the hospice is to make the patient comfortable. And so some of the things that um, frequently asked questions that come up is, 
Um, what's the difference? Uh, we've talked about that. Um, the end of life doula, we do everything but medication, um, any type of medical treatment or wound care. We're we're not licensed or certified to do that. That's why you need a nurse or a medical person or a family member. Um, hospice and hospice volunteer. They talk about volunteer, but as an end of doula. Um, Medicare regulations uh, prohibit any types. This is a, if you were going to have a volunteer come to your house to help assist you with the hospice um, team, and you weren't hired by the family as an end of life doula, this is so true that you, you're limited by you can't touch any of them, you can't move them, you can't feed them, you can't bathe them, you can't help the patient in any regard that way. Um, and they're also concerned, you know, of course, about the insurance because they have to carry insurance on everybody, right? And so the maximum uh, time um, a volunteer, hospice volunteer can be with you is four hours. And um, an average volunteer can visit between one and uh, two hours a week. So it's not very much care, really, when you look at that. Um, so if you had somebody that had you hired an end-of-life doula, they could give more hours of care uh, in a week with a person. And we can also um, give more time to the family. And, um, and it also does not provide um, patients or families uh, more time during this uh, very stressful time. So, and, um, I won't go through all the Q and A's. You have to frequently ask questions. I've got them on my website, so you can look at them there. But really, um, insurance, um, like I said, we are paid by the family as an end of life doula. We we're not covered by any insurance. Um, I believe that some nurses are are end of life doula, and they may be able to um, be willing to sign up. But it's very um, to sign up under to get billed by Medicare is very arduous. And um, most, and like I said, because we're non-medical, they're not likely, they don't likely will cover us. So we're considered as private pay, just like um, visiting angels, comfort keepers, um, they're all private pay. And of course, you know, most of us as <clears throat> end of life doulas, we have a sliding scale for payment services. So I have my payments, um, my services set, but you know, there's always room for negotiation as well. So, um, so um, these are just more frequently asked questions. Um, so uh, we are recognized by, um, the um, president of NHPCO. It's um, it's a national organization for doula givers and other health service providers. And um, uh, the national end of life doula, NELDA, um, these are some of the members from California in 2017. Yeah, and Suzanne O'Brien. <clears throat> She says, we only have one chance to end a, end a life experience to go well. So it's really important that we have a team of people to help 
make that happen. So we encourage um, everyone who would like to know more information about doula givers or people like such as myself to be an end of life um, doula giver to, um, I'm just gonna stop screening here, um, to ask any questions you have and Okay, how do I end this? <laughs> so anyway, so thank you for um, joining me today. And um, I do I acknowledge that um, that we all here as end of life doulas, as such as myself, are here to support you. And um, I do give thanks that you um, are here. And thank you for listening to, for, to me today. Um, like I said, if you have any questions, I'd be happy to hop on a call and answer any questions you have or anything that you don't quite understand or, yeah. So anyway, thank you for joining me today. I want to say thank you. And um, you can reach, I'll put my contact information below this um, presentation and uh, you can reach out to me there. And uh, what else? I do every first Thursday of every month I am doing um, like a conversation cafe, mostly talking about, could be about death, it could be about grieving, it could be about uh, whatever people would like to talk about, or maybe you just want to share your experiences. So I do that every first Thursday morning um, at 9 a.m. Pacific time on Zoom. And what else do I do? So yeah, so that's about it right now. And then I also provide uh, what I call um, the, um, the um, helping you create your legacy planning book. And uh, so if you'd like to have a copy of that, uh, by all means, we can do that. And um, so thank you. Okay, if you have any questions, I'd be happy to answer them. And uh, if you watch this video and you'd like to have a copy of the book, please let me know and I'll send it to you. Okay, thank you so much. Bye.